Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. Streaming across the globe, Ben Norris, Rob McKnight and David Robinson. Welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Here's Rob McKnight. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new week of the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Yes, we are here and we're looking forward to having your company today as we beam around the world through Ticker TV and... Uh, your favourite local streaming service. Uh, I need two people to do some chatting with, and that's none other than Ben Norris and David Robinson. Hello, boys. Hi. Hello there. <laughs> How are you? You all right? You okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, everything's fine. Everything's fine and dandy as I try to move myself into position. It was very tight there in case you couldn't tell. Um, All right, I tell you what, we've got a big, big week ahead. Have a look at this, what we've got coming up this week. Today we have got Scott Cam. Tomorrow we've got Joe Griggs who will be here for the entire show. And then on Tuesday, tomorrow, we've also got The Masked Singer. Wednesday, we've got a special guest in Jamelia Rizvi, who is an author, a commentator. She's fantastic. And then on Thursday, we're going to do a very serious topic where we look at veteran suicide as we talk about Are You OK Day. But first of all, as we get into today's issue, there's been a lot happening on the COVID-19 front. And for more, we're going to go to David Robinson. Thank you very much, Rob. Let's break down that roadmap that we heard so much about over the weekend from Premier Dan Andrews. The first step, beginning at midnight on Sunday, the 13th of September, will see Melbourne's nightly curfew moved back an hour from 9pm to 5am. The daily exercise limit will also double to two hours, with a maximum of two sessions. Public outdoor gatherings will increase to two people or everyone from one household, and people who live alone will be allowed to nominate one other person to visit. Premier Andrews has clarified this morning the person can be 
outside the five kilometre radius. However, you must still only visit according to the curfew. Childcare centres will remain closed and students will continue remote learning. Those able to work from home will be required to continue doing so and hospitality businesses will remain as takeaway or home delivery only. The step two now, uh, beginning on the 13th of September for regional Victoria and the 28th of September for metropolitan Melbourne, outdoor public gatherings will be allowed five people from two households and in religious gatherings there can be one additional faith leader. That is on the condition, however, that the average daily cases over the previous fortnight is between 30 and 50. In that time, childcare centres will reopen and some students, including those in prep, grade one and two, VCE and specialist schools can return to the classroom for term four. Outdoor pools will reopen and personal training will be allowed outdoors. And in good news for the do's, hairdressers will reopen in regional Victoria. Step three, this is the big one. If there are only five or less cases over a 14-day average and no more than five cases with an unknown source in that fortnight, the curfew will be lifted and people will be allowed to leave their homes for any reason and to travel any distance within the state. Public outdoor gatherings will be extended to allow 10 people and five people will be permitted to visit a home. Weddings will be extended to allow 10 people and funerals allowed 20. Hospitalities will reopen for eating dining with groups limited to 10. This is all targeted to happen by the 26th of October. And in step four, aiming to be enacted by the 23rd of November, providing there are no new cases for a fortnight, gatherings up to 50 people will be allowed outdoors and 20 at home. Weddings and funerals will both also be allowed up to 50 people. Hospitality dining groups will be expanded to 20 people and universities and TAFEs will reopen to in-person and on-campus learning. Retail and entertainment venues will also reopen and interstate travel can resume. To the final stage now being named COVID normal. This stage will, will require there to be no new cases in Victoria for 28 days, no active cases and no outbreaks in other states or territories. This will see all restrictions in the community lifted with people returning to their workplaces. However, social distancing will still be in place and international borders will remain closed. Alrighty, now to the latest figures from around the country. As we watch Victoria closely for these target dates, they have today reported 41 new cases. A good start to the 30 to 50 target. This is their lowest number of daily cases in more than two months. However, sadly, there have been nine further deaths. To New South Wales now, where there have been four new cases. However, one of these is a returning traveller in hotel quarantine. The three cases of community transmission are all healthcare workers. And in Queensland, more than 200 staff at an Ipswich hospital are now in quarantine after a nurse tested positive. That's the latest COVID update for you there, Rob. Back to you. Thank you very much, Robbo. Ben, I just want to check in with you because I saw a tweet over the weekend from someone I follow on Twitter and he actually said he's struggling and he doesn't know if he's going to make it uh, with these with the roadmap that's been laid out, which is horrifying. But mental health is the big issue that um, we really do need to be talking about when it comes to these lockdowns in Victoria, isn't it? Yeah, I think... Um it's funny, we were having a quick chat about this this morning, you and I, and I was saying to you that so far throughout these stages of lockdown in Victoria, my friends and family and myself have been doing really well. And I felt like yesterday was the very first time for me that when I looked around, I reckon 95% of people that I spoke to were, you know, in a really bad way. And you could see that being reflected on social media over the weekend, which, you know, was really hard to read. My partner and I yesterday tried to do something, which I think is what a lot of people 
have to try and focus on and is what we can do, and that's to stay at home and follow the guidelines. Yesterday we, um, we ordered in a whole lot of charcuterie. I think it's a charcuterie board. Some of it's charcuterie, which I understand is like cured meats, but like cheeses, we had some oysters, and we had it's some lovely. wine, and we tried to rise ourselves above what I can tell you was just a, was a really hard day. But what I want to say to my friends and family out there, and that is to try and focus on what we can control and look for the things we can do in our own homes because we can do this together. Look, mm. very well said, Ben. And don't forget, um, call, reach out to Beyond Blue and services like that. 1-800-512-348 is the special number for COVID-related health, mental health issues with Beyond Blue. So please don't be afraid to use that service. In fact, we really would love you to do that. All right, let's move on to our hot topics. And the tennis court is no stranger to dummy spits and outbursts, but we haven't seen one like this for a long time. World number one, Novak Djokovic was playing against Spain's Pablo Carreno at the US Open in Flushing Meadows. At one point, he clearly didn't like how the game was going and lashed out, hitting a ball into the side of the court. The only problem, a lineswoman took the hit. Have a look. Now, look, while it wasn't his fastest serve ever and he clearly didn't mean to hit the official, it was still a direct hit. The woman was taken from court but didn't need hospital treatment. In line with the rules, Djokovic was defaulted and he's now out of the US Open. He did plead to other officials to allow him to stay, but those pleas fell on deaf, deaf ears. Robbo, does the punishment fit the crime here? I don't think it really does. Uh, you know, obviously it's a, a pretty tough thing uh, to be hit in the throat by a tennis ball. It, it was not intentional. It wasn't meant to happen like that. Um, it, it almost reminded me, and hey, we're here for our opinions. It almost reminded me of, you know, when soccer players kind of get tapped and then go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, and, you know, fall to the ground. She didn't need any massive kind of medical treatment. She was fine. He obviously ran over straight away. He didn't mean to do it. Um, but what I will say really quickly is we've got a picture of the reaction and what I'll say is that it's, uh, look, it's very great. It, it's, it's great news to see Jessica Rowe getting some work after television there as a lines person oh. uh, <laughs> at the US Open there. Wonderful to see her back. Oh, uh, I'm sorry that that happened to her with that tennis. But we wish well, her thankfully, we've already ticked her off the list of guests we've had on the show so that she doesn't see that and turn us down. We're like, okay, we've locked Jessica Rowe away. We can make fun of her. No, you know what? The one thing I will say about Jess is she is always up for a laugh. She would have enjoyed that joke. Uh, <laughs> she actually would have. Um, you know, well, I've got to say, Djokovic was asked about the incident during a post-match press conference and he wasn't too thrilled to be asked about it. Have a look at this. When you threw the racket, does it concern you that one day... That, that could cost you dearly. I mean, if the ball were to hit someone today, is that something you think you ought to address? You guys are unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it unbelievable? Yeah, because you're always picking this kind of things. It's, it's well, incredible. You keep doing these things. You know, that's, that's I, I keep doing these things. Well, well, I'm just why, why don't I get suspended then? Because I'm saying you were close, weren't you? That's what I'm saying. I'm close. <laughs> I'm still not suspended, so if I'm not close, I'm not close. Ball, it, hit a spectator, it could have been serious. It could have been, sure. Or it could have snowed. It could have been snow in all two arena today, but it didn't. So you don't think that gives an, uh, you're not concerned about the, sort of the, your mindset? So I'm the only player that shows his frustration on the court, right? That's what you want to say. That's the, I'm the only player that is showing that. No, you that are is showing that, so you're Sorry? One of the, you're one of the top-ranked players in the world. So? So, so you are showing this frustration. I'm asking you, do you think it's an issue for you? It is not an issue for me. It's not the first time that I did it. Oh, no. right. Next question, please. 
Has that changed your mind, Robbo? Uh, no, it hasn't. Look, I, 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 it might surprise both of you. I'm not a sports person and I haven't been for a long time. I haven't played competitive tennis for years. But when, <laughs> tennis is very much... It's a mental sport. And I didn't know this until a few years ago when I was speaking to someone, uh, I think, during my time at Studio 10. And it is such a mental sport. You know, it's not just about the going, hitting the racket. You you can sometimes be out there for hours and hours and hours until the game finishes. Um, but there have you know, to be rules. Djokovic's, ben, don't yeah, they have... I'm not saying that. But Djokovic, but Djokovic is not the first person to chuck a spit, a dummy spit or a tantrum on the court. No. I don't think that he should have been um, defaulted from the US Open for this. It was, uh, it, it certainly wasn't an angry throw. He didn't smash a racket. She just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was not intentional. <laughs> I, I don't agree with it. Robo, Ben, I, I want to bring you in because the rules are very simple. If you strike a ball person, you're out. You know, like, yeah. you, you know, like the fact is that those ball people should feel safe on the court. It's one thing when the ball's in play. This The ball wasn't in play. This wasn't in the middle of a serving match. But they're concentrating on their line. They're not looking at everything going on. They've got to trust the tennis players not to be whacking balls all over the place. Yeah, I guess so. I think two things are at play, I think, for sports people, and that is there's a culmination of arrogance uh, that they have and also the pressures that they're under as well. And I think that that sometimes fizzles to the top and we see bad behaviour that some sports people's careers can live and die by. So that might have been just a small thing that he did, but at the end of the day, he will need to be accountable for this and sports stars do need to be accountable for bad behaviour when they're on the field. That's just how mm -hmm. I feel about it. I think I was raised by someone who, when they'd have sometimes an angry moment, they would throw things. And those moments, I'm going to say, stay with you. It's bad It's bad behaviour. And I don't mean to throw either of my parents under the bus, so I'll leave that to which one you would believe that to be. But I would say that, you know, we have to be accountable for those moments, regardless as to whether or not there was any intent there. There was absolutely no reason for him to hit the ball like that. And I think he needs to sit this year out. I don't think his career should be over, though. Oh, no, no, and it's not. But also the the audacity for him not to expect journalists to ask about that. It, you know, like, of course they were going to ask about that. Um, to think otherwise is just either stupid or completely arrogant. All right, well, they already know what you like to buy and even tell you about products you didn't even know you wanted. But now Amazon is going to be able to see a lot more about you. A new agreement between New Zealand power supplier Vector and Amazon will see the two companies accessing data about you you and your home in an unprecedented level. It all comes down to your power meter. More and more people are switching to these things called smart meters. These are replacing the old ones as well as the people who used to read them. However, they also collect a lot of data like how many TVs you have, the age of your fridge and how many people live in the house. They say it's about better products for consumers, but privacy advocates fear how, when and by who the data will be used. More than 1.6 million homes across Australia and New Zealand will provide the initial data. Ben, you said many times that you don't care about privacy. Surely there's a potential issue with an offshore global conglomerate knowing this much about you. Don't care. Read my mail. Oh. Guess what? Oh, how terrifying that they'll know how many TVs I have. Oh, and the sacrilegious, don't talk about how old your television is. Like, oh, 
don't, it's like saying, don't ask how old a lady is in a conversation. Like, I don't care whether or not you know how old my fridge is. I don't know whether anyone really cares what's going on in my home at all. This information is not going to harm me in any way. So why do I care? What if, what if they deem this technology or by this data that they get from you, they deem that, um, you know, you don't have a new fridge. You're clearly not going to buy, you know, something new. You, you've got a fridge that's 30 years old. It seems still to be working okay. Uh, so they're going to reduce your power or there'll be some kind of weird backwards thing where you're not really going to be a consumer. Amazon wants you to be a consumer, a customer. So by giving all of this information up to you, you might get a better, uh, sorry, a worse deal because you've been allowing all of this data to go back to such a massive company that is very well known for using its data and not always using it correctly. Well, I will say this, and that is that I'm less likely to believe in conspiracy theories. And unless that information has been stated, I don't necessarily believe it to be true. I think that they're not going to do that to me. And just if they... Sorry, it felt like you but, breathed yeah, sorry, heavily, um, so I just was waiting. No, that was me just sniffing. Sorry. I mean, I am um, sighing uh, out. It just, uh, Ben, four corners I love has you. Done a massive, but... uh, yeah, Four Corners, sorry, Rob, has done a massive expose on Amazon and how, you know, they're not, they, they're collating a lot of data. People don't know why. A big thing in America is those Alexis uh, doorbells. So they're actually giving them out to the local police departments uh, in America and everyone's like, oh, this is fantastic. How great for security. Um, but the thing is, Amazon gets all of that data. They see who and when and why people are coming to your home. Uh, and that is causing a big deal. What are they going to do with that data? I don't understand. What are they going to use? How are they going to use that against me? Are they going to try and sell me a new fridge when I don't need one? But know. it's about your right to privacy. Now, look, you are a big ex-Big Brother contestant. We know that you don't care about privacy for the rest of us that do value privacy. This is a gross invasion. People haven't signed up. They haven't ticked a box to say you can build a profile on me out of my electricity usage. It is private information how many TVs you have or how many people are in the house. Why? Why does because it, why does it's it matter? Not up to a, it's not up to a private company to determine that they can have that data. We should have the rights about what goes on under our roof to decide what gets told to the outside world. That's not look, outrageous. I don't want like to generalise, but, you know, look, I... I didn't smoke bongs through university, so I don't have any paranoia going on with me. I'm not paranoid about okay, anything. Right. Like, if they right. want to come into my house and have a look at underneath my rugs and find out what, what I'm doing about... every day, time I come home, I don't care. Maybe what, I'm stupid. What, what Maybe about I'm if the fact... What about the fact if uh, in this time of COVID um, you've got a relative who's living in another state, you've managed to smuggle them in because they're escaping something that they're not really happy with, um, and, but Amazon now knows that there is a fifth or sixth person in your house uh, and that could potentially be uh, used by others, by, you know, law enforcement to determine that there's actually one more person in that house. I want to keep my family members safe by hiding them in my house, but now my electricity company knows that there is a sixth person, which then that could be used by law enforcement to go against me. Yeah, well, I think you're drawing a really oh, long bow. I think, I think that that, to me, like, it's still with that doesn't seem to resonate. Like, I'm, as I said to you before, maybe I'm... Um, maybe I'm a little bit naive, but I don't necessarily care for that. Which is fine. Do you know what? It's fine that you don't care, but I do. 
and I don't want them just having rights to my data. But you know what? We're talking in hypotheticals. Can I just ask you both, like, beyond the hypothetical, and maybe this is the information you don't want other people to know, but what are you afraid of? What are you afraid they're going to do? Like, I just don't understand. That's an invalid Uh, argument because that... I don't have to have something to hide if you want privacy. That's, it's that's, a basic that's human right. That's assuming that everyone it's, who wants to hide something is guilty of something. No, I just don't yep. want the world knowing my business without me deciding what goes in and out of this house. That's not unreasonable, but you know what, Ben. But do you know yep. what I will say? And that is that that kind of uh, information can easily be read by lots of different devices and sometimes it can be used for good. I watched Notting Hill on Friday and then on Saturday I watched Bridget Jones and then my uh, Netflix suggested that I watch, um, what's the movie, Stepmom with Julia Roberts. So I then watched that and sure. it turned out that movie's a great movie and I would never have been... you've signed up for. All of a sudden, all these people who have smart meters are now having their data taken away from them. <coughs> Excuse oh. me. Oh, no. Whether they like it he or lost- I think it's Amazon coming to get me to shut me up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to leave it. Oh. I'm going to have to leave it there because I also want to say I don't have any... Any more argument for this? Uh, I actually, I'm going to have to just, you know, leave it there. <laughs> I, you know what? I do love, I do love the world you live in, where everyone's doing the right thing, and this data isn't being used. They're making money off your back, mate. They're making money out of your data, they? and you're not getting a cut. And I, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but it's don't. it's good that All you right. do. It's it's good that you do, and I need to probably I, I probably do need to open my eyes a little bit more and be a little bit more sensitive to the fact that you know other people do have an issue with that, and I I need to be aware of that. So like I I understand that for me it's not a big issue, but for others it is. So maybe I should not be so silly about it. Maybe I just need to think about it a little no, differently. And this is the whole reason you're on. You're entitled to your views. Although eventually on this one, I hope to beat you down and beat you down and get you agreeing with me. Eventually. It might take 20 okay. years, God damn it, Ben, but I'm going to get there. All right. Okay. Terms like <laughs> husband and wife and ladies and gentlemen are out and should not be used. That's according to the New South Wales Government. Department of Treasury bureaucrats have been urged to not use those terms. They've also been encouraged to list what pronouns they would like to be referred to in their email signature, such as him, he or her, she. It's all part of a drive to make the workplace a so-called safe space. The powers that be also urge their workers to not just assume the sexuality or gender of someone they work with. New South Wales MP Mark Latham believes it's all ridiculous and the Treasury Department has more important issues to worry about. Robbo, we want people to feel included. Is this going too far? Uh, Yeah, I really do think it is. Um, So you would say that I was still part of a minority kind of area being gay. Um, I don't expect, um, you know, there to be this dramatic change in whether you refer to someone's partner as a husband or wife. If I'm comfortable within myself, and it's my choice, my individual choice, to go up to someone and say, I actually, mate, do you have a wife? And I say, well, no, I've got a husband or I've got a boyfriend. Um, that's my individual right. I don't know that you should then put that kind of idea onto the majority saying this is how you need to act with every single person. The majority is that people do have wives. Uh, the majority is that people do have husbands uh, that are the opposite sex to them. And that's okay. I think it should be reactive as instead of proactive. And I, I just mean that 
Yes, of course, uh, the workplace should be a safe space. Of course, people should feel welcome. Of course, if, if you don't identify as being a male or a female, uh, you, you identify as other, then you're accepted and, and that's okay. And, and Or if you're intersex or exosex or whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as you feel included, I just don't know that it's the right way to go to spend countless thousands of dollars of money um, on these kind of PC training. You know what? The PC training we need is... And if you need this PC training, there's a problem with you. So obviously you can't go into the workplace and use the N-word, right? You can't. Yeah. You can't walk into a workplace and say that women are dumb, all right, or that they have small brains or, you know, you can't do any of that. If you need PC training for that, then get out of the workforce. I don't think that we need this kind of um, he, him, he, she in an email signature. I just, I just don't think it helps with everyone's fight. Well, I think that what you've lost here is probably just the word trigger. And so what's happening when it comes to this is people in the workplace need to avoid being triggered. And for some people, some of those ways in which we've referred to people with he and she and all the rest of it, you know, we've now come a long way with, but sometimes that really triggers them. So Robert, I don't want to get into sort of what triggers you. And I think that's your own story. But for these people, they've designated that that is a trigger for them. Husband and wife, and they're not okay. Husband and look, wife? I'm married. I am yeah, a husband. I, I have a wife. Why is it really... Yeah, why but is look, it... you're the, probably the last person to talk about it, Ben, because you're not actually understanding where I'm coming from. You're not triggered by this. You just clearly made that as an example. Other people are triggered, and they don't deserve to be triggered while they're at the workplace. Wait, wait, so wait, while wait, we continue to get more information... Look, I'm so sorry, yeah. but yeah. let me finish... And let me just say to you, these are triggers for those people and these people who are being triggered by that are being triggered for a reason. They have felt excluded. They have felt not the same as other, other people. They haven't felt worthy and they, are, they should be able to come and do their day job without being triggered by that sort of stuff. And look, uh, I, I want to quickly say, because I know that you two are going to quickly come for me on this, it has taken me a long time to come to this conclusion because for me... I you know, am an LGBTI person and I did a whole show for 12 months interviewing people who, and it was at the crux of talking about pronouns, and I would ring my mum and say, oh, I've got to interview this person. I'm really stressed because I need to use the right pronouns. What happens if I forget to use the pronouns? How stupid is this? But what I learned over that 12 months is the importance of using pronouns correctly and it's, it's a journey and I think it's an important journey that we all go on. So I'm actually not arguing I'm okay the pronoun. With that. so the, the, I, yeah. That's not my, ar sorry, that's not Rob, my yeah, argument. Sorry, I'm so sorry, Rob. My point is that um, what is so wrong with referring to people as husband and wife? I just don't get it. Just take it out of the equation. It's not necessary when it comes but that's to part having of conversations band. with people it's at work. It's part of it. They're being told not to call people husband and wife. Yeah, just if take I that, husband, I just take that out of the conversation. No, but I, if I got married, I want to be able to call my husband my husband or my wife my wife. Uh, and yeah. I also think if you... I, I agree with pronouns as well. If you want to have a he or a she pronoun, that's totally fine. But all I'm saying is that just you just tell the person. So if I was working with Rob and said, you know, Rob called me a he and I said, hey, mate, do you mind just, like, I'm actually, you know, a she or that's how I um, identify, then that's what it should be. I just... Mm. I yeah, just, exactly. It's I don't tricky. know about this. Yeah. It is tricky. It is tricky, and sometimes when we're in situations where it's tricky like this, we kind of become fearful, 
and then fear leads to confusion and I think we get angry about it but I'm just saying to you that the reason why these sorts of courses are put in place in workplaces is to make a better workplace for everybody and it's going to take us a really long time to understand the very fiber of these things so that everybody can feel the same and i completely understand that there's going to be so many people listening to me talking about this that is like what a load of freaking wishy-washy bullshit during a time of covid and much bigger issues i understand that there are bigger issues but that doesn't negate the fact that we do need to look into making workplaces better for everybody Yes, which we agree with, but you can't walk into a workplace and say, oh, you dumb lesbian or you dumb fag. You know, you can't do that. We understand you that you cannot about? do that. And that is... He's making a very valid what? point. He's saying that you can't use derogative terms about people and we all accept those are the rules. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, we're, we're not so even talking about that. I'm not saying that anyone... Say, oh, you've got... No, that's what I'm you are. I'm not saying that. That's, that. that's what we are. This we're talking about the way that you identify point, someone. Ben. You finished your point. Let him finish his point. Sure, I'm just saying that you can't walk in and say you're dumb lesbian, you're dyke, you're, you're, you're girly fag. You can't do that, and rightly so, rightly so you can't do that. But if you walk up to someone and I think and you say, oh, so um, you, are you married with kids, you got a husband? No, I'm a lesbian. Oh, okay, cool, no worries. Uh, so uh, what about your wife? How's your wife? Like, that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be this thing of massively we've got to take out ladies and gentlemen and husband and wife and, and he and she. Like, just tell us what you want. There should be a safe workplace, and if those things are then uh, neglected, or rejected. So if someone says, I like to be called a, a she, and they keep not doing that, then yes, you've got a recourse to, to, to argue that and put a complaint in about it. I just don't know that this is the right way to go by just having this blanket attack on anything, on everything rather. Finish. It is just because some people are, I don't know. And look, I, I don't know, I'm not trying to paint you guys as bad guys. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm just saying that I, this is not me. I'm not offended by husband and wife. I've never been. I've never been offended by being called all manner of things. It's not, but I've, but I have spoken to people. I've met people who've shared their story with me and they've, they've articulated better than I can because I was not subjected to it, that those sorts of terms can be triggers for them. And I'm just taking a while to process it. And also just allowing everybody in the world being triggered by something. Because people are complex, you know, and so there's something that even outside of sexuality could trigger someone, Ben. Do we get to the point where we don't speak at all because of a fear of triggering, triggering someone? No, we just get better at being able to use our language and connect with other people. And there's some things that we're going to evolve and take time to get used to and somehow we're going to get to a better place. I'm only talking about this from the perspective of wanting people to feel okay in their workplace. I personally have taken a really long time to get to this point to understand what my fellow Australian has told me when it comes right. to being triggered by these terms. So it's just a bit of a journey and it's about being understanding. Okay. All right. Well, it was like a car crash. You just couldn't look away. In possibly the strangest story to come out of the US election so far, a boat parade organised in Texas to support Donald Trump has ended in multiple boats sinking and distress calls made to the sheriff's office. Shortly after the event began, several boats became swamped by waves and passengers had to swim to safety in what has been deemed Dumkirk. Have a look at this. <laughs> Well, look, we should note there were no injuries. Um, it's interesting, Robbo. 
I saw this unfolding on Twitter and people were laughing, saying karma and all this kind of stuff. But it just said to me, these are people on the right of politics. They support Donald Trump. And there was no sympathy for people losing their boats or anything like this. Um, And I know I'm taking what is meant to be a a light story and making it a bit serious. But if this was the other side of politics, I feel like the reaction would have been completely different. Why we have no respect for the people that support Donald Trump. That's what came through clear as day. We had the people on Twitter had no respect for people on the other side of politics. Uh, I think that's right, Rob. Uh, the, the, The radical left and I am a lefty, there's no question about that, but the radical left, um, they want everything on their terms, everything in their rules, everything the way they want them to happen, uh, and if any of them deviates into uh, what they believe, then it's, you know, the end of the world. But back on this, with the... Yeah, people lost their boats. They're supporting a political movement. That's their right. We should still be worried if they were hurt... We, you know, thankfully there was no one was hurt, but they lost their boats and things like that. This, this is getting when the when the radical left don't support just basic stuff from the right, and the right do the same to the left. And I don't know mm. that, but you've got to come into the middle. The rights aren't always just these clubhead, um, you know, Neanderthal people. They're still people who have a, a right to uh, choose their religion. Um, and should be, you know, given that the same respect, I think. Absolutely. Ben, uh, have you got a quick thought on this one? Oh, I just think it was outrageous. I, when I saw this this morning and it was brought up to me, you know, while we were preparing the show, so I hadn't seen it on my social media myself, but I just was like, oh, people's lost their expensive boats and people are laughing at it. You yeah. Know? Like I was like... You know, what? I couldn't see the humour in it. I mean, I then thought maybe that there'd been a series of posts with some really clever puns about these boats being sunk, but then all I saw was, like, <laughs> families being distressed on boats while they were being sunk, and I was like, what am I looking at here? Why People are pigs. And that is all I have to say about that one. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fair enough. All right. Well... (laughs) Mulk is coming up in a moment because there's a lot happening in the world of television and we're racing along to get some entertainment news out. But first, can you believe Channel 9's The Block has been running for 16 seasons? The popular reality TV show is still going strong, beating all newcomers. Scott Cam is the host of the show and he joins us now. Scott, welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Uh, Thank you, guys. Uh, Very much a pleasure to be here. uh, It's a bit odd how we're doing it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well odd describes our show so that's right at home for us but uh nice to be beaming from your home look each year when the show comes back can you believe how popular the block remains oh uh, look i think that we're pretty lucky when it comes to that uh we we try and mix it up every year and do something a little bit different uh as we're doing different decades this year mm. uh, and i think we just sort of you know like produce 
some good family-friendly shows that mum, dad and the three kids can sit down and take a look at together. Uh, and I think that might be, you know, what people like about our show, that they know what they're going to get mostly each year. Absolutely. And, look, you've got to say it's impressive when you consider other shows like My Kitchen Rules and House Rules have failed to find an audience this year, but a, The Block, which is a heritage brand, continues to thrive, not just survive, but thrive. You guys are killing it. Yeah, look, I think that the other guys, uh, as you said, MKR and those other shows, they still do a great job as well. And, and sometimes, um, you know, people mix it up a bit. And, and that, you know, could happen to us as well. Everybody tries to put in uh, good television these days. But The Block, I suppose, is one of those staples that people love to come home on a Sunday night and, and watch and uh, get into and invest in. Uh, and, you know, we just try and make it pretty lighthearted. Although last year was a little bit grumpy. It was a bit of a, a too big a bill. But uh, I think, uh, this year it's nice and friendly considering what we're going through at the moment all around the world. Well, let's talk about that, Scott. How has COVID affected uh, production and how has the team handled it? Yeah, look, it's been tough for, you know, everybody right around the country. But we, we started uh, back in um, sort of February. And then uh, we did five weeks of work and then we didn't know what was going to happen. It was a bit up in the air and people yeah. didn't know, you know what was happening around the world. And then when London shut down without notice and locked everyone up, like Victoria's going through right now, we, we just went, OK, well, this is fair. We don't know what, what to do now because no one really knew what the future held. So we had all those contestants yeah. and we and our crew and everybody on that. So we sent everybody home. We shut down the whole show, shut down the production, which was a big decision because we put a lot of people out of work mm. for the six weeks that we were shut down. So we didn't take it lightly, but it was all about safety, all about keeping our people safe. Yeah. Uh, so we, we shut down for six weeks and then we came up and with a plan to how to come back which we did, we, mm -hmm. we built a clinic on site. We, we had a full-time nurse, Christine, who was there every day and she temperature checked and gave flu shots to everybody and checked on the health. We also had a mental health uh, people coming around and checking on everybody uh, when we came back. And so we got all that play things in place and then we came back for two months and shot the show and finished it and full credit to everybody because they stuck to that plan. And, uh, and then we made it by about six days before a full lockdown in Victoria again. So amazing. we just scraped in. That is amazing. So how will, the, how will this affect sales this year? Well, uh, look, the, you know, the auctions in mid-November, we're not sure. We haven't mm -hmm. really got a plan B. We're, we're, we're going to cross that bridge when we get there. We might be doing it exactly like how we're talking right now, boys. So uh, we're, not, <laughs> sure. we're not sure how... So Just give us a call, Scott. We'll make it work for you. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> give us a call. We'll we'll run the auctions for you on the Ben Robin Robbo show. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic, mate. <laughs> we could use some help with that. I'll tell you what. I think it, if it ends up being a Zoom auction, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I had an, I don't know how that's going to look. Um, anyway, as my executive producer and I, we said on the phone to each other the other day, on the, uh, like that, if if we're in lockdown and uh, in mid-November in Victoria, well, we've got more problems than our auction. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually a fairly good point. Look, it's unusual for people to do a job for as long as you have. And the thing I really like about you is, unlike sometimes other hosts that seem to sort of wear and tear and you can sort of see them being a little bit less interested, how have you managed to always remain so excited about being on the block? 
Well, I think that uh, for me, the building industry is my great love. I've been doing it since I was 17. I've been a carpenter all my life. And uh, I'm sort of mixing up my two great loves every day at work, which is building and TV. Uh, and I didn't really know that TV was a great love of mine, but I've been in it for 20 years now. Uh, so, um, you know, I do love it. And so I get to do telly and I get to do building stuff uh, and mucking around with tools and stuff like that every day. So it's really good fun to go to work. And more importantly, I'm not on the nail bag myself like I was for 40 years. So that's even more fun, uh, not strapping on a nail bag or climbing up onto the roof, which, I, you know, I, I'm getting a bit old for that now. I'm, I'm 58 uh, in a couple of months, boys. So I, I've done my time on the nail bag. Yeah, well, I tell you what, these Sunday night room reveals are amazing. I felt absolutely inspired by them, to tell you the truth. Um, in the history of the block, whose renovations have stuck with you the most? And have you ever used one of the contestants' ideas in your own home? Yeah, you know, funny, uh, I, I've, there's been some standouts over the years. They've all been fantastic because I know how hard the block is to build and do for three months. So everybody's joints have always been good. Kyle and Cara... Back in the day, they were on an all, you know, they, they were fantastic and they, they did some really beautiful carpentry work. I suppose the carpentry stuff sticks out for me and Kyle's a really good carpenter and, and he, he does great work. And I have copied um, a bathroom. Uh, I built a house up the bush. I've got a place in, in uh, Mudgee in New South Wales and, uh, and I copied one of the winning bathrooms basically to a T, same tiles, same vanity, same everything, because it was a winning bathroom, so I just copied that and just whacked it straight in my ensuite that I built up there. So it was pretty easy. I didn't have to you make You've got to tell us. Can you remember no, I'm not who telling you who it was? Oh, no, what's the, Scotty, what's the point? We need the tea. You need I tell to you, I, tell, I will tell you. I will tell you. It was, the, it was the fans versus faves, which was in Albert Park at Duck's House. It was the old picture theatre there. And we had, I don't know if you remember this, but we had some old contestants go up against some new contestants, so fans versus faves, and it was Brad and Dale. You remember Brad and, and ah, Dale? Their yeah. winning bathroom, their winning ensuite. I, I quite liked it. I liked the timber top. So, And I, at the same time, I was building this house uh, back in Munchie. So when I went home, I just copied their bathroom. Tell me this isn't true, but there is speculation uh, that you might be putting the tools down even on the telly. Will this be your last season of The Block or will you be back? Tell us you'll be back. Uh, no, it's not my last season of The Block. I hope not. Well, maybe you've heard some info that I haven't. No, no, no. No, I'm not retiring. Uh, I've got a few more years left in me. Uh, I'm going all right. And uh, I'm still on the nail bag. I still, I still work and I get on the tools. I just uh, been up the bush the last couple of days and I was uh, had the nail bag on. So I still love doing the trade, but just not for other people. Yep. I like doing it for myself. Yeah, it's fair. Yep. Hey, Scott, fair you've been in the industry a very long time. You're loved by the viewing audience. <laughs> just recently, you got into the dirty, dirty side of politics and uh, you did a little bit of government work. Mm. Were you surprised at how nasty it is when you're used as a political football? Well, look, mate, I've actually worked for both sides of government for many years. Um, right. I, I've done, I'm a specialist awareness ambassador. I've worked for Bill Shorten on the, that side. I've worked uh, for specialist awareness on, on the Liberal side as well. I've also worked as apprenticeship ambassador and promoting apprenticeships for people to put them on and for kids to be apprentices. I've done that for like 10 years for nothing. And then <clears throat> all of a sudden... The, the present government, everybody thinks I'm like, you know, I'm taking sides. All I want to do is get kids into apprenticeships. That's yeah. the, and uh, that, that's the whole, the name of the game for me. And 
So they offered me a, a quite a major role, uh, travelling around the country, taking up a lot of time and things like that. So, you know, I said, I, you know, because I had been working for nothing for many years and uh, uh, just doing it on the side, you know. And uh, anyway, that, that's, look, that's, I'm still doing it. Um, <coughs> we didn't accept the second half of the payment because of um, COVID. We couldn't fulfil the obligations that we had. So sure. I, I didn't get involved in the money, monetary side, but I'm still doing uh, the work that they're asked me to do besides the public appearances and, and things like that. Mate, uh, look, at the time, I, w I was surprised because all I was trying to do was get through a passionate message of, of mine uh, and, and, and it got railroaded a little bit. Uh, to, to but that's the point. It did get railroaded. You were used as a political football. I remember watching this play out and I thought it, it, it reminded me, uh, it, different but same, Peter Garrett going into politics. He was loved. As soon as he became in the sphere of politics, he got bashed to within an inch of his life. And that's what it felt like was happening with you. You know, like, no matter what good you try to do, they will come after you if you're perceived as being on the wrong side, won't they? Uh, yeah, look, a little bit of that. I think that people were just, um, you know, I, I don't know why. Uh, look, it was, I, I regret uh, the way I handled it. Uh, I've never been in an aggressive interview before, and I had one of those. Mm. Uh, it, it was getting off topic. It was, you know, I wanted to talk about something I'm really passionate about, and we were talking about something that everybody already knew about, which was the money that was involved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was already in the public, uh, you know, domain. So everyone, I don't know why we're talking, but I handled it really badly. Uh, I should have just stayed on topic, but uh, I wasn't ready for a political interview like that. Uh, I don't think I'll get involved um, like to that level ever again, which is unfortunate. I'll still work hard uh, and passionately about getting young kids informed about what's available uh, in, in the apprenticeship side of things. There's over 400 different apprenticeships that you can do, and it's, it's about uh, educating parents to steer their children in, into uh, like a vet program, which is, a, which is an apprenticeship, basically. Because uh, parents, I think, are very pushy to get their kids into university as a be-all and end-all. And there's so many things that they can do outside of university uh, to get a great trade or, or a great career. Um, through a, a vet training, and that's what I, you know, really love. And and you know, I've got to get people to take apprentices on as well. That's the other message I want to get across. Mm. Uh, and so we do yeah. that all the time. I'm placing a boy at the moment. Uh, I'm trying to find him a school-based apprenticeship. So I get people that ring me up, and and then I'll go on the hunt and try and find them an apprenticeship. I've just made a couple of calls yesterday, hoping to get this boy placed, uh, who's a local kid. And there's another one that I'm trying to find apprenticeships for. So if you if you want to take on an apprentice. Please give me a call. I've got a few boys lined up that, uh, and girls, of course, that would uh, love to be trained by you. No, oh, I'm glad you're still gonna... putting in that effort. That's awesome. There, nice work. I, I'm going to ask you a little bit about how we can get in contact with Scotty Cam because I can imagine people watching this right now thinks, how can they just give you a, you know, tinkle on the phone? <laughs> but I want to also talk to you about this season of The Block, which can I just say, I, I've been off The Block for a couple of years and I've come back this season and I tell you what, I'm absolutely loving it. There's been a winning streak, and we saw that last night continue. Do you think these guys are going to be able to continue with that winning streak with Master Bedrooms <clears throat> coming up this Sunday? Yeah, well, look, Jimmy and Tam are incredible, three on the trot, and uh, they've got such a terrific wow. attitude to this. They work hard, they, they project manage so beautifully, and they do it with a smile on their face.
and they really get in there and have a crack. And that's how you got to do the block, you know. You can't put excuses to air, as we say. You just, you know, you can't blame anybody but yourself when you're on the block. So you've got you've got a job to do. And Jimmy and Tam have got in there for the last three weeks and done it. And they've won three in a row. Um, the way they look, they can continue this. We'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, and having uh, to answer to your other question, I have a website, scottycam.com.au, and you can leave a message for me on that website, which gets looked at uh, every day. Uh, Scott? You are an absolute legend. We have appreciated you being on the Ben Robin Robbo Show today. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you very much, guys. It's, it's not often you get to do an interview with thongs on, too. Really. <laughs> <laughs> the boys well, are wearing pants, so it's fine. The boys are never wearing pants. Well, yeah, uh, don't get us to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Scott. And don't forget the block continues tonight, 7.30. Scott Cam, thank you again for your time. Thanks, guys. All the best. <laughs> it's the Ben Love Shot of the Day. Where are you going today? You never know where you'll end up with the Ben Love Shot of the Day. And today we're taking you to Los Angeles, where record temperatures have been recorded. Our live shot today will be from the Santa Monica Beach, but the area of Woodland Hills recorded an all-time high of 121 degrees Fahrenheit on Sunday. That's 49.444 degrees Celsius, which the National Weather Service said was just about the hottest temperature recorded at an official weather station in Los Angeles County. The official forecast for Los Angeles is a cool of 43 degrees today after a low of 24. It'll be a clear day and an excessive wow. heat warning is still in place. Let's take a look at some feedback coming through to the Ben Robin Robbo show. Djokovic has defied restrictions. He has history. Brat. <laughs> From wow. Hoffler. Uh, Lachlan says, I agree with Ben, don't care. This is about the privacy issue. Ben, you've got a lot of people supporting you there. Leah says, the data is already out there no matter what. On the pronoun issue, Travis says, well said, Robbo. Cameron says, why can't, in this day and age, we can't all get along and respect each other except and accept all walks of life? Uh, I'd like to think we do do that here at the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Hoffler says, people call each other life partners. Husband and wife is old school for some young couples. Times are changing and we must evolve as individuals. Tracy says, agree with Ben on the pronoun issue. Employees may not feel comfortable asking to be addressed by the non-obvious gender-related pronoun. This training brings awareness and understanding. And, and I agree with all of that. I just get confused why we can't actually refer to a husband and wife as a husband and wife, but we've had that issue. Look, it's time to talk TV, as we do every Monday, with our good friend Steve Mogg. Hello, Mogg. Mogg. Hello, friends. Here I am. You are indeed. Hey, <laughs> Mulk, earlier in August, TV Black Box had an exclusive story, our little website, about secret mm. auditions being held for a new Studio 10 co-host, and it would appear those auditions went very well. It would seem that absolutely, Rob, after literally minutes of conversation. Uh, Tristan McManus has joined, signed on to the Studio 10 team. <laughs> he and Sarah Harris will co-host the New Look Studio 10, launching, in fact, next Monday on the 14th of September. Of course, remembering that all of this is a part of a big shake-up where there's, sadly, a whole bunch of 10 talent finishing up this very Friday. 
So, Malky, I want to ask you really quickly. Uh, Tristan's great. We love Tristan. But um, going yes. from dancing on, you know, an hour or two on a show, but going to do four hours of, you know, news-based interview stuff, do, do you think, you know, the, the decision was rushed in relation to can he even do that? Well, the evidence uh, will indeed be in the pudding come next Monday morning, won't it, when we find out uh, mm. really whether or not that the uh, audition went for about 20 minutes or went for two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> look, the, the honest truth will be that it is a tough gig. There is no question putting uh, together, hosting, you know, that sort of long, uh, that length of a program. And I'm sure that Sarah will coach him through that and there'll be other people that can guide him. I'm sure he's also up to the challenge, though. He's a smart operator who uh, is a good communicator. Whatever happens on Monday, it will not be his final thing. He will evolve from wherever sure. he starts on Monday. Correct, right. 100%. And I've, I've actually also worked with Tristan before, and he is so cool. He's so down to earth. And I think I said this right off the bat when we started discussing it. He's fresh, and I think he's going to look really good next to Sarah. So I'm excited about that. But just moving on quite nicely, Mulk, it was a yes. controversial casting, but Seven's new... Casting of Chappelle Corby, wow. Is it generating the interest that Channel 7 wants? They're certainly keen to see a whole lot more interest come out of it. SAS Australia is uh, the new reality show that Chappelle and uh, nine other celebrities will be a part of when it launches in October. Uh, we saw a big new promo for it, really focusing on uh, the three guys that are running. Uh, you know, like this boot camp for celebrities. I guess that's what it is, though. They're, they're re leaning in really heavily to say that it's, you know, it's not for fun and games when ostensibly it's a television show. Um, look, it'll be great to see how Chappelle and uh, Roxy Jacinko and, and uh, Wayne Carey and all of the other, oh, no, he's on the other show, um, whoever it is, turns up on SAS Australia. <laughs> Mind you, there is a little bit of controversy over one of the extra additions, uh, a young woman who's been at the centre of possibly a catfishing scandal, uh, lining up next to Chappelle Corby. Yes, it's interesting. Wow. Look, we've actually got a look at the uh, promo. Let's take a look at it. People who say that they can conquer fear are liars. You can't conquer fear, but what you can do is harness it. I spent 12 years in the military, four years in the Special Forces. I've saved lives and I've taken lives. I've operated all over the globe conducting counter-terrorist missions, hostage rescue missions. I've been decorated by Her Majesty the Queen. This is a test normal people never see. This is not a game. These Aussie celebrities are going to be leaving their privileged, selfish lives behind. Why are you crying? Do you think this is a joke? This is completely unscripted and 100% real. We're going to find out who they really are, and so will they. This is SAS Australia. Ah, there, Malky. That looks like something to watch. Uh, we'll certainly keep our eyes on that. Now, this uh, is Malky, not a my... game. <laughs> yeah, this is not a game. This is not a drill. To my third favourite lesbian, Ellen. Yes. Uh, what's uh, the news on that? Well, look, uh, there was some conjecture that Nine were maybe going to cut ties, not show the Ellen show, uh, the new season coming up. But the latest news from with inside the Willoughby come North Sydney bunker is indeed. 
Ellen will return to Channel 9. She will be on, uh, you know, in that midday time slot that she's held for ages. Mulk, thank you very much for your insight as always. I look forward to hearing you on the TV Black Box podcast, which will be out tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Mulky. This is not a game. <laughs> All right. It's time for a hit of entertainment with Ben. And, Ben, much has been made about the disappearance of Carol Baskin's ex-husband. Do we finally know what happened to him? Tiger. Yeah, well, thanks, Rob. In an interview on the new CBS limited series 48 Hours Suspicion, which is a true crime documentary, the wife of Carol Baskin's handyman, Trish Fapain, says that she believes... Her ex-husband, Kenny Farr, may have played a role in Don Lewis's 1997 disappearance. This is new information, apparently. Could all be revealed? Well, time is definitely going to tell because the episode titled The Tiger King Mystery will be broadcast in the US this Wednesday, September 9th on CBS. Check it out. Crime. Well, I certainly hope. Suspicion. A second night of 48 hours. Wednesday. Joe Exotic is this wild, cartoonish, large animal owner. His sworn enemy. It's Carol, the big cat rescue. Carol's second husband, Don Lewis, disappeared and he just vanished. For the first time on TV, a new witness. You guys had a large freezer that had a padlock on it. 48 hours. Suspicion. Wednesday. The explosive allegations involve pretty precise information about what really happened to Carol Basking's husband. It includes dates, times, a freezer, and also a threat to end Trisha's life the same way that the alleged murderer killed Don. By the way, that was in a meat grinder, apparently, alleged. Now, I'm just going to say, what are these reliable sources? Well, I would assume this woman should have come up with this with the police previously, had this been real claims. I'm she sure did. the police have looked into this. Yeah, but look, it's that was pl- put in place in 1997, and now this woman is on a, on a show talking about this. I think she's just trying to cash in on her Tiger King fame. Oh, of course. Anything wrong? But- I, I think she absolutely is trying to cash in, but she actually did go to the police in the 90s, so that says to me this isn't just a, a fame thing. There is, you know, could be something more to it. Is but, he, the police, no, but the police would have had to have thrown that out. Like, as in, you know, if these allegations that she's come out with were genuine and that it's her husband is actually responsible for where Don went, well, then, you know, there's a different story. But anyway, I just want to quickly finish the show with this. Who would also love to cash in on the Tiger King fame? And that's Carol Basking. Check out her new role in the US on Dancing with the Stars. Get ready to roar. With her signature flower crown, she's dancing her way from Big Cat Rescue all the way to the ballroom, even bringing her cat. It's the Tiger Queen herself, Carol Baskin. Get ready, you cool cats and kittens. Yeah, got it. Oh, wow. wonderful, okay. Ben. Well, I hope the uh, the cool cats and kittens, uh, we all wow. find out the truth in the coming years. Now, Ben, can a fallen star redeem themselves? Show me the money. Yeah, well, could... <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good lead in there with Cooper Gooding Jr. <laughs> he has been in legal hot water with the Manhattan prosecutors, but apparently he leapt up to extinguish a guest who caught fire at his Hamptons party over the Labor Day weekend. Now, Gooding, 52, is also currently facing criminal trials 
of a misdemeanor sexual abuse and foreseeable touching charges stemming from allegations of three accusers. That's three women. Wow. And this is off the back of being sued by another woman last month. Look, Cooper Gooding Jr. has come out saying that he's denying these charges. But let me tell you, these allegations are coming from three very different people over very different timelines. So I would say Cooper Gooding Jr. is not being shown the money. Interesting. I think he's going to yeah. give the money away. Interesting. Ben, just yeah, quickly, um, any kid our age grew up on the goodies on the ABC on a weekday afternoon. Um, what's happening with Bill Oddie? Yeah, I know. So Britain's much-loved goodies star Bill Oddie has revealed that he is very ill. The performer and presenter says that he has suffered almost a fatal condition of lithium toxicity. I will quickly just say lithium is a type of medicine known as a mood stabiliser. According to the NHS, too much of it in the blood can trigger serious side effects, including a loss of appetite and the feeling of confusion. A tweet over the weekend alerted fans to this really sad news. And sadly, I will say we'll probably have more on this in the next couple of days. Oh, terrible. And look, oh, let's end on something a little bit lighter. You've got a TikTok that I actually sent you. Yeah, you sent me this. This is actual footage for everyone playing at home, I believe, of Robert McKnight in 1988 at a nightclub. Check it out. <laughs> I love this. So it's actually bats hanging from a ceiling filmed upside down, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't quite seen which one you are yet, but he does come into the picture. I don't, I don't know if the people playing at home have if this is coming off as well as how this actual TikTok looks, but if you want to find it, it is called Bat Dance, I'm pretty sure, on TikTok, but it is freaking hilarious, and it's just giving me vibes of, like, 1980s nightclubs, which I'm pretty sure, Rob McKnight, you were the only one old enough to go to. Indeed. All right. Thank you, guys, for another big show. Tomorrow, Joe Griggs is with us as our special fourth panellist for the entire Ooh. show. And we will have tonight's Mars Singer Eliminated Celebrity. Thank you for another great day, Ben and Robbo. We will see you tomorrow for the Ben, Rob and Robbo Show. It's a Ben, Rob and Robbo, Ben, Rob and Robbo, Ben, Rob and Robbo Show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.